Hi there, and welcome to Calm After the Storm, Survivorship and Other Stories with Amy Sayed. This episode is brought to you by the Quantum Genius Program. Today, we're going to talk to someone who has a harrowing story of survivorship and thriving there afterwards. We do want to start by sharing a content warning. Information shared on our podcast can be graphic in nature, and we recommend that you review the details of our podcast before listening. We appreciate you tuning in, and we hope that the story shared with you today is inspirational and helps you get through tough times that you may be facing. Welcome again to Calm After the Storm. On today's episode, I'm excited to share my interview with Carlin Purcell. Carlin is an emotional intelligence and neurolife coach who helps women thrive by teaching them to tap into their inner strength. A victim of sexual abuse and bullying, Carlin has overcome anxiety and depression within her life. She fought to be free from her inner critic who held her back, set small goals, and wondered if she was good enough. Today, Carlin's goal is to help other women leave the same dark place she knows all too well, so they too can find peace and happiness in their daily lives. So Carlin, we're going to actually kick it off and have you walk me through a little bit about your childhood growing up and really what your earliest memories are of your childhood. My earliest memories of my childhood, it's I'm bare feet. I'm usually bare feet <laughs> for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I grew up in, in St. Lucia and uh, the area we grew up in, we're just surrounded by by nature. I often say I, I, I was raised in the, in the bosom of Mother Nature. So um, I was always outside, either playing in the grass or going to pick a fruit, which, you know, experiences you don't necessarily see as uh, rich or fulfilling because you're in it and you're living in it. Um, but my, my first memory is, yeah, just running around barefoot going to get something to eat or probably in some way, shape or form having school with the trees because they were my friends um, for the most part of my childhood. Mm -hmm. Did you have any siblings, Carlin? I did. I did. My parents had about, I have, I think, two siblings that I didn't get to meet. And fortunately, they Mm -hmm. passed away. Um, There are five of us. And because we grew up really far from electricity, running water, we're kind of like in a countryside, just to give people a perspective. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. which means that my my siblings, uh, my eldest sister, actually, she moved to Canada when she was when I was very young. So I didn't Mm -hmm. really grow up with her. My other sister, because we lived so far and the buses did not go there, you had to walk probably about an hour to get to our house by foot so she stayed away a lot so she she she, she lived in the in the village or slept with my grandmother or if she was going to after work school night school she stayed by a friend uh so mm-hmm. for the most part i have siblings but i we weren't always spending that much time together initially. Um, mm-hmm. But of course, on weekends, um, you know, I, I have fond memories of my semblance and I, you know, playing that cassette tape. You know, I remember, you know, Whitney Houston, um, you know, Mariah Carey, you know, just playing those, those songs and singing along. So lots of fond mm-hmm. memories that way as well. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. So let's let's talk a little bit about, I know that you had some experience with bullying at a young age. Uh, what did that look like for you? And when did that start? Huh, um, in addition to all the wonderful stories, there were so many of the stories of pain and trauma. And, uh, you know, that was one of them. And 
It came in different ways. You know, I remember, you know, a lot of young boys bullying us, trying to, whether it was to touch us or to touch my hair. And one of my, I call them elephant stories. One of those elephant stories is being a survivor of child sexual abuse. And so I had a very early level, high level of distrust of men and adults because of that experience. So going to school and navigating the school system and having boys um, not using their language, but trying to use their hands to talk to you was something that I was always running away from. And I was trying to protect myself. And those stories, you don't you don't realize how they shape you and how they shape your life. And I never forget, I think it was Ian LaVenzent who said, um, you know, um, betrayal is a violent act against self. And, and when I reflect on my very first lesson of betrayal, it came from that. And I carried, uh, you know, that betrayal with me throughout my life. And sometimes we look at the decisions we make as adults and we blame ourselves. And it's like, how, 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 how could I, you know, didn't see, you know, that Amy or whoever would do this thing to me or that person would betray me in a friendship or in a relationship. We blame ourselves. Yeah. But we often forget that, hey, you were never given the foundational lessons needed in terms of trust and how to stop betraying self when life itself has betrayed you. So for me, um, it has been a very long journey of, yes, as a young child, the bullying, but also I continue to bully myself because of those lessons as well. And I think it's something we don't talk about enough, self-bullying. I agree. So let's talk about it a little bit, Carlin, because I think you brought up a really good point. What does bullying yourself look like? It looks like you constantly betraying yourself in terms of the decisions and the actions you take daily, saying yes to things and people that who really don't deserve to have your attention or presence, or staying in relationships or friendships that where you know you're not being valued. And self-bullying looks like you going against your intuition that says, hey, Amy, Carlin, listen, I don't feel safe in this friendship. I don't feel safe in this relationship. Your needs are not being met. You're emotionally constipated. You're actually, you're surviving on cramps. You're not fulfilled. You're actually starving. You're malnourished in your self-love and in your self-worth life. But what we do is that we ignore it. We deny it. We suppress it. And for me, that in itself is bullying. And um, mm. it's something that I had to learn to unlearn, <laughs> I would say, yes, so that I could yes. relearn how to honor self and how to learn to trust Carlin, which is something I learned in my adulthood. And I'm still learning. I'm turning 44 soon. And, and I'm still on the journey of learning what that looks like as an adult. We all are. We yeah. all are. We're all learning and unlearning, I think, on a daily basis. And that's the maturity, right? That's our evolution as a human being is to really continue that journey and recognize that that's what we're here for, right? Yeah. Really. And it's a huge part of adulthood. Like adulthood is to finish the unfinished business of childhood. And I think if if we were told that as children, I think a lot of us would be going through adulthood with a whole lot more freedom, understanding that mistakes and failure and self-doubt, it's all a part of the evolution of us tapping into our full potential. Because if you are here and you're alive and you're on earth, your daily work is to optimize and maximize your purpose every single day. And life will continually bring us the lessons and the people and the circumstances to bring out the best in us, right? So so for me, if if and, and I'm so happy that you're doing this podcast and we're having those braver conversations because I think 
the more we have it, the more we can disrupt the roots of patriarchy that a lot of us have, not just as part of our language, but we also have it as a way of being and a way of existing in this world, which dims out our intuition, which dims out all the things that make us amazing. If you if you identify yes. as, as a woman, as a as female, all of those things really add to who we are. I totally agree with you. And I feel like, you know, I want to talk a little bit about like the institutionalization of our personalities and our lives, because as we are children and as you described, you remember yourself walking around barefoot, picking fruit off the trees, like these joyful moments that you've lived. Right. And then you had moments where you really felt like you were suffering, right? In the bullying, Mm -hmm. in the sexual abuse, Mm -hmm. and then growing into your teen years, carrying that because then we're still very young souls. So we carry that kind of like, you know, on our back. Um, So I want to, I want to talk a little bit about how the schooling system and how the patriarchy and all these different institutionalized systems create human beings that become adults that are still carrying that suppression and how you were able to break free of that. Yeah. Um, and that joy part that you mentioned, I had to fight to prioritize that joy. I had to like constantly create uh, the capacity and the mindset around that joy. One of the things that I often invite women to do, and it's something that I do through Sister Talk, which is my women-focused uh, network. Uh, it's called Sister Talk Group Leadership and Wellness Academy. I invite people to look at the conscious and unconscious um, contracts we hold in the different areas of our lives. Mm-hmm. It can start from, for example, looking at yourself, your identity and how you define self and how you tell the story of yourself about yourself to others. I invite people to be a fly on the wall. And when you're introducing yourself, Amy, then it's like, what are you saying about you and how are you speaking about you? Uh, what's the vibration that you're speaking about yourself at? And, and usually we take our cues from those institutions and that in this case, uh, those cues will come from the institution of family or the institution of society and, and what we experience outside in, in our workplaces and workspaces as well. So the first is to what are some of the aid of conscious contracts? So I find I, I would say, for example, how we introduce ourselves, the title we hold on to, all the letters you see people put behind their names, you know, I'm a PhD, yes. I'm a DD, I'm a I'm a MBC, MS, you know, all those different <laughs> things. Yeah, right. Yeah, um yeah. Uh, what is it rooted in? And did you attain those designations and those distinctions as something that is innate and unique to you, meaning that, you know, for example, I just got very fascinated by emotions. Granted, my experiences drove me there, but I got, I went down that path because of that, because I was curious, because I really wanted to understand Carlin better. And I wanted to create space to understand that I'm not my emotions, right? I'm not shame. I'm not helplessness, but it's just Mm -hmm. data. And that data helps me to gain deeper insight in terms of self awareness and self-management, right? Tapping into that Mm -hmm. self-agency. But for some of us, we go after those designations because we are trying to fill a void of something we did not get in our family unit. 
So, for example, we we saw dad or mom or whoever our grandmother, auntie, whoever raised us, um, they valued maybe education. And for them, they use that as a marker of excellence and a marker of, 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 of love. Right. So love is very conditional. We talk a lot about unconditional love, but love is very conditional. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You just have to understand that. What are the conditions for me loving that person or creating a pathway of love for that person? Are you still unconsciously trying to gain love or the acceptance of an adult who, by the way, parents, our aunties and grandmas and uncles who raised us or whoever it was, they are humans too. And they're still, they're, they're struggling with their own stories of self They're struggling, they're flawed, yes. they're uh, imperfect, yes. right? And as children, we see them as perfection yeah. because we need to see them as perfection. But I find it to be so interesting you bring that up because as adults, you see them still doing that sometimes. Yeah, and, and I think it creates such a... That is part of the betrayal mix. That is a part of the bullying that happens. And I'm not saying yeah. that parents intentionally bully or create an environment for it. But again, mm-hmm. just by us trying to understand and live life and work with what we have, we create those scenarios and circumstances. Um, mm-hmm. um, so first identifying that and, and, and ensuring that, and even if you did and you have that awareness, oh crap, I actually don't even really like this particular subject or what where I'm working but I'm just yeah. interested in learning more about this for my own purpose. Then, yeah. then it may, it's a more in alignment with who you are. Then we can really operate more in that place of being and not in that place mm-hmm. of doing. All the things I went through, I believe that it robbed me of my worth. But then I had to unlearn that and learn that no matter what I've been through, no matter what I do, um, I'm so worthy and nothing can take that away. And then unconsciously, now look at the unconscious contracts that you have with self. And that is usually coming from, you know, what are you settling for? What are you allowing your relationships? Are you truly fulfilled? And are you, uh, you know, nourished in all of your areas of your life in terms of what are your love languages, both self-love and the love that you receive from others? And then look at all the other areas, your family units, um, your immediate family, your parents as well. And when I say contracts, I mean that, Anything that you have accepted as part of your ritual or as part of your workday that includes language, behaviors, and actions, if you are in agreement with it, meaning that you've accepted it, then it means that you're in a contract. And we have to break those contracts or in some cases, read the fight print and say, you know, let people know. We teach others how to treat us based on what we accept. So when we examine those contracts, we get to see where we have some blind spots or some areas where we can now reintroduce people to us because we've now updated or upgraded our personal self-contract with self, right? We're Mm -hmm. coming from that place of, knowing that you are worthy, knowing that you are here to fulfill your purpose, you're here to optimize it, and you're actually here to write each chapter of your story. So by doing that, we get to update all the other um, contracts as well. And that really helps us to model what it looks like to stop self-betraying, to stop the bullying, the self-bullying that we do. Because when we do that, we're more likely to trust ourselves and to use our voice and to stop others doing it to us as well. You and I, we think very much along the same lines. But what I do want to investigate with you now is how? How do we do that, Carlin? It's Uh, so hard. uh, Such a good question. And I say, begin where you are. And by that, I mean, 
that moment of self-betrayal that came up for you as you're listening to us, this is where you begin. One of the most powerful things I heard a friend said that, her, you know, her therapist said, um, said this to her and I've, I've never forgotten it. And, you know, and if it resonates with you, whoever's listening, um, write it down. It said that the things that come up for us, the difficult moments in our lives, it shows up because we are strong enough to deal with it. Yes. We tend to think that things are happening when our lives are a mess and we're, you know, everything is showing up. No, it's showing up because you're strong enough to deal with it. And even if you may not have the capacity to see those inner resources, you will pay attention to your life, pay attention to who's showing up, the questions that are being asked, and you will know who is assigned to help guide you on this journey. And if you're listening to this podcast, now you have Amy and myself to help support you and guide you. Um, and we don't have all the answers. But this is where no. self-trust comes in because you might say something, Amy, and all the amazing guests you've had so far in the podcast, or maybe on my social media, so I've shared one of my stories, or maybe you heard mm -hmm. me speak somewhere. There might be something that resonates with you. Take that thing and start there. And if you don't have access to any of that, where do you start? I say, start with making a note of all the things that's going right in your life and take it on the other side, write all the things that your vibration is very low on. And the reason why people shy away from this work, Amy, is that it's very uncomfortable work because it's going to ask you to A, reflect. So self-awareness is a huge piece. And when we look at the four quadrants of emotional intelligence, um, self-awareness and self-management are the two biggest areas we have to do the most work. Staring at yourself in the mirror and facing your truth, it's not easy. And it took me a long time. I don't want anybody to think that, you know, it was an overnight. No, I spent majority of my 20s and most of my 30s questioning why did I have to go through what I went through? I avoided doing the work. I blamed everybody but taking ownership for what happened to me. And the other thing that I would say is that the more uncomfortable you feel, then the more aligned you are with beginning the work to heal and to move forward. Carlin did a really good job at eloquently explaining to us what her response to her abuse looked like. Response to abuse can look very different for many different people. It's very hard to gauge what someone's response is going to be to trauma and abuse that they have experienced. Something that is common amongst all victims of abuse is the feeling of helplessness, the feeling of shame, and the feeling of low self-worth. Shame is something that we all feel at one point or another in our lives, but those who have suffered from abuse feel it at a much deeper level. And the other thing that I would say also is that I invite people to reflect on, and I, I, and I am obsessive acronyms as well, so SIMU. Yeah. And SIMU stands for S-I-M-U, story I'm making up. Because what the brain does, just to go in a little bit behind the science, is that um, the brain creates a narrative. When we feel that, it, that, that, that emotional discomfort, so let's say the emotion that I'm, that I'm, I'm feeling, so if I have to put an emotion on my story, my elephant story, my childhood sexual abuse story. It would have been shame and helplessness. And that drove myself down and it drove the narrative in terms of the stories I told myself. So the simu I made up when it comes, when it came to my personal relationships in my life, especially when it came to finding love, I told myself that I wasn't worthy of love and I wasn't good enough. I told the mm -hmm. story I was making up is that, well, you know, I was abused. Who's going to love me? I have all this work to do. 
there's so much pressure on women to be perfect and not mm. enough on men to become emotionally intelligent. So what you end up finding is that you have women who are now in a relationship who have now taken on the mother role and raising men when that's not our job. It really should be the two of us journeying together towards our purpose. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So I invite women to think about the simo. That's a very important part because at the end of every experience, what we create is an emotion. That emotion is rooted in a story because the brain wants to make sense of what is that emotional data? An emotion is a bodily sensation. So which means that you will feel it in, is it in your chest? Is it in your stomach? Does you know, your palms get sweaty or mm. you know your feet get sweaty? identify your emotional data point for that story and then I invite you now to write down the story when we write we bring focus and attention to the opportunity that deserves our attention in the moment because then you stop that hamster wheel right yes yes and and you know it's the best it's such a great mode of creativity yes to translate what's happening with those stories we've been telling ourselves because sometimes you tell yourself a story so many times Carlin that you actually believe it and you know what those stories and those thoughts they're often not real they're not and they're not true they're not rooted in your truth they're rooted in the truth of the brain so we all end up when we're born and in our brain I call it you know our inner operating system so your brain comes with its own iOS so I call you know our values our emotions these are additional apps to help us to realize mm-hmm. our full potential so so mm-hmm. that iOS the brain comes with your brain is designed the set point is to keep you safe your brain is not there to make you happy your brain is not there to help you fulfill your purpose it is to keep you safe how it keeps us safe so the brain's apps it will download all your negative stories all the things that yes. went wrong and don't forget yes. you know we we also carry a lot of trauma and a lot of our stories in our DNA. So there are stories that you've inherited from your family. So there's also intergenerational trauma that gets passed on, right? So now you have all those stories as part of your inner operating system, but the brain will prioritize only the bad ones or the ones that, quote unquote, that caused you pain. And because emotions are addictive, the brain keeps the stories alive and it keeps the stories alive through the cycle of emotion. So that shame and helplessness I shared earlier, Amy, for years, that was my juice. That was my addiction juice. It felt familiar. So sometimes we ask ourselves, why do we stay so long in the friendship or the relationship or at the job if it was toxic and if it wasn't right for you? Because... It is familiar. It's a part of my comfort zone. It doesn't matter how bad it is. I understand all the things I went through. So I had to rewrite and rewire my operating system and my story. So that reprogramming was what got me here, what got you here, Amy, and some of the success stories that you're sharing with all those women. We had to do that work. And that work looks different for a lot of us. But inside, that's what we all did, right? Again, identifying your emotions, identifying the stories, understanding that you are the programmer of your brain and you have Mm -hmm. to activate your growth mindset. This, I'm really hoping that people understand this is how powerful you are. So I really hope that, you know, someone gets that little nugget that can really help them to now reclaim their power and start operating in that power. Because the more of us who do that, Amy, we can now increase the collective power and the wisdom of us as women or however you self-identify. And through that, we can really now build this world back better because it will require us showing up fully in our power to do so. A hundred percent. 
A hundred percent. I want to talk a little bit about you and about how you have built your businesses, the success planner, your women's group, the coach that you are. Um, how did you become so powerful from those feelings of shame and everything that you were going through in your teens and your twenties? Talk to us a little bit about that. I stopped running. Um, I stopped chasing outside of myself for um, validation and for worthiness. Mm-hmm. And I decided to do the work and to bet on me fully. And, um, and that requires a certain level of courage. And, and I had a lot of starts and stops <laughs> as well, right? Yeah. Because you're like, yes, yeah. I'm ready. This is the year I'm going to, you know, do the work, Carlin. Let's, let's, let's start on the healing journey. And then you get in and you're like, oh, hells no. This shit is hard. <laughs> you're like, that was much harder than I thought it was going to be. Much harder than I thought it was going to be. Uh, yeah. You know what? Yeah. I am knowingly going back into my old habits and my self-betrayal, I am knowingly going back there because it is that hard. So, and again, yeah. and, and, and healing is not, it's not linear. It looks like this. You're going to start, you're going to go back again. So for me, I had a lot of beginning again moments. But the one thing I would say that honestly, Amy, was a game changer and allowed me to continue forward in a more consistent way that allowed me to tap into my power and to use my creativity for my dreams and my desires Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. was learning to love myself again. And so I created and I wrote this program called 21 Days of Self-Love, which took me from who are you, Carla? Forget the titles, forget all those things that we say we are based on societal norms. And, you know, so this 21 days of self-love really helped me to excavate, went in and, and really take a look at what are the ways I betray myself. And it's hard. And I, I get it why a lot of us end up not doing the work, because when you start being honest with yourself in terms of how you be self-betray and how you bully yourself, man, it hurts, right? Because, because you're like, You've been through the pain of whatever, you know, that trauma is, and you've been there. You know what it's like to not have love, not feel love, how to be treated really badly by others. But then the truth of acknowledging that you've also been treating yourself that way, whew, right? It's, it's, it's a lot. It, it, it almost makes it worse. It's like, exactly. oh my gosh. Exactly. It's like, I can't blame that other person for doing it, but why am I doing it to myself? And that is where a lot of us now, we either go back or we move forward. So what I want, you know, people to remember, because I was, I've been at the crossroads so many times, you'll be there a lot of times, but to just keep moving forward. And once you can identify the different ways, choose one item a week or maybe one item a month, because you might be beginning again a lot of times and that is okay, right? There isn't a race. There isn't a specific time stamp by which you need to fully love and accept yourself, that doesn't matter. What matters is that your journey is unique to you. Your experiences are unique to you. Yes, we all have some commonalities, but you know where that helplessness is hitting you. You know where that shame is hitting you. I know where it hit me. So I was able to focus there. So all of those things led me to trust in self, trust in my ideas, seeing the wisdom in my experiences and my journey, and then leveraging that now to your point to begin optimizing. My, my full potential. So when I did the work around, you know, my self-love and so forth and talking to other women, especially, you know, we all have, we've all heard the narrative, oh, women don't trust each other. Women don't get a lot. And I'm just like, yeah, we do. 
again, if women, if two women don't trust each other, it's because there is a very high level of lack of self-trust in the relationship, right? Uh, Because you cannot pour out what you don't have. So if your lens that you're looking at your world and your relationships are, it's, it's covered with self, with, with, I mean, betrayal, self-betrayal and lack of self-trust, then your relationships will also be, that, that currency will be a part of your relationships as well. There's a level of patience that we will need to give to ourselves. And whether you're right now nurturing your seven-year-old self, your eight or your 10-year-old self, whoever she is, get to know her, get to understand what she needs. And as you list yourself, your, your, your self-betrayal and you look at what are some of the things that I need to build that trust or to build joy or to now increase self-trust? And that stems from that betrayal list. So that led me to, I want to keep my word to myself. I want to consistently work on my goals and my dreams. Yes, I had a great career in the financial industry um, for 20 years, mm-hmm. but I needed to put Carlin first. And so I started learning from the greats. My, I call them my virtual mentors. You know, Oprah, Brené Brown, Robin Sharma, Napoleon Hill. So the lessons from those people, I took it and I created this Excel sheet with what is my theme word for the day? Because I wanted to ground myself in my values and mm-hmm. the things that matter to me and not my fear. Because the brain is also very malleable, meaning that if you tell it, hey, I want you to focus on red, it will focus on red, right? I want you to focus on on the elephant, it will focus on the elephant. So we can teach our brain, kind of like you teach a dog and your tricks. I was just going to say that. It's just like that. (laughs) Exactly. If you throw that ball and the dog goes running for it, that's your brain. That's your brain, right? right? So, (laughs) so, So the success planet came out of that. So I created a system where Every month, Carlin, here are my goals. Here's my bold ask. What do I give myself permission to do? What am I going to commit to in terms of my own personal growth and development, or maybe my dreams and my goals? Um, Who am I networking with? How do I put my oxygen mask on first? Because that was the number one Mm -hmm. thing I learned from those 21 days of self-love. Being kinder to myself is necessary. So in Mm -hmm. the planner, so that was my first product, my physical product. I actually wrote a book first. It was called um, How to Be Beautiful, like self-love tips and tricks, which came Mm -hmm. from my my, my 21 days of self-love program. And the Mm -hmm. planner came out of that. And same thing for the Sister Talk Women's Group, because talking to other women, other women were like, oh, I struggle too with shame. And I struggle. What does shame feel like in my body? I don't know. And I'm like, oh. I wrote a whole, you know, I have a whole program on that. And I'm like, why don't you guys come over? Let's have girls night. And I was also tired of the women's group where, you know, you go, you exchange a business card and everybody's operating from the title, right? We don't really get to know each other because people are so wired to connect from the title. Yes. Yes. Like, what do you do? Right. Forget about being a human. Like, who are, who are you? What about you? Where do you come from? Like, what's your, what's your, What's your thing? Exactly. What makes you smile? What what do you want to leave behind? What's your passion? What makes you come alive? What pisses you off? Right. And one thing that pisses me off is women walking around thinking that they have imposter syndrome, women walking around thinking that they're not worthy, women walking around thinking that they don't have what it takes for them to make their dreams come true. And I'm just like, girl, no, if only you knew. So for me, that pissed me off. So that's how Sister Talk came about. Because what Mm -hmm. I learned on my journey of self-love and self-worth and shame and Brené Brown was one of my huge mentors in that area. She inspired me to, to, to create an opera, to create Sister Talk. So Sister Talk came about because of that. And same thing after 20 years in the corporate industry, being passed on over and over again. And, you know, in the last role, they brought in this, this, this other, you know, mediocre white dude. Sorry, not all white dudes are mediocre, I know, but 
you know, they brought it and all the stuff I was doing when we were a very small team, they brought him in to now lead, you know, the group and he still was trying to pass on his work to me. So it was just, and I, and I just had this moment of clarity where it's like, Carlin, you just need to leave. They will never really yes. respect you and your skills. Um, they will never truly value you for what you're worth. You need to value yourself more than they have seen um, 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 you and your worth. Uh, so then I left and that my consultant firm came out of that, really helping organizations with the gender equity strategies, but also the human equity strategies. What are some of the, you know, the discrimination when you look at the different buckets of discrimination? So for the past year, I would say six months more, we've really been focused more on um, anti-Black racism, anti-racism work. But these are the three areas and three pillars in terms of how we help organizations, leaders, um, and especially women um, to really tap into the true power. And when they do forget it, um, then we have tips and tools to help them to reclaim it as well. That's amazing. And so now look at the impact that you've made from your experiences, right? Let's talk about that a little bit. What does this impact look like to you? How do you feel every day? How can we inspire others to understand that the journey is long and it's, you know, ongoing for the rest of your life? And what are we, well, what are we taking from Carlin today? I would say that the impact is ongoing. It's twofold, right? There's a thing of purpose, especially when you fully step into it and you own it. It will haunt you some days because you ask yourself, am I doing enough, right? Am I really being thankful for the gifts that I've been given? Am I using all my skills to the fullest? Um, but also it's because I care. It's not a heavy burden. It keeps me up at night, but in a good way, because I want to mm-hmm. make sure that I'm passing on that legacy. So it looks like we've impacted the lives of over, I don't know, like, 5,000 individuals through the, through the sister talk, we've helped over 500 women, giving them the tools. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one wow. thing I often say is that I want to work myself out of a job. So for me this year, we want to double the impact by creating the Carlin's Inner Circle, where I'm bringing women on who want to understand the power of the emotions, the power of the stories, and the power of the neuroscience of having difficult conversations with self and others, so that they can yes. now go out and, and, and restart the sister talk circle. So that's something I'd like to be, bring back since we, st- we stopped it four years ago. If there's one thing, don't let shame tell you who you are. Don't let your emotions are just data. You actually have the power to create your own reality, to co-create with the universe. There are so many people out there who want to help you. And when I say people, I mean, look at your ancestral table. Look at the people in your family who have done amazing, great work. But also don't be afraid to look at the pain and the trauma as well that reside. There are are a lot of gifts that are tied in in our intergenerational trauma bonds. Um, If we don't look at it, then it means that it's unconsciously driving our words and behaviors and our legacy and patterns in our family. So people Mm -hmm. often ask me, you know, I often tell people and for the success planner, our tagline is making time for what matters the most. And I often say that, you know, your legacy, your wealth that you pass on to your family, it should not only include the currency, um, money currency, um, you know, that capitalist currency in your bank account, but it should also include that emotional wealth as well. What are you passing on? Are you passing on the gift of disrupting patterns and conditions? Because that also increases or opens up a whole realm of creativity and gifts that we didn't even know. Because, I mean, as you heard from me, a lot of the work that I'm doing now, it was informed by my elephant story, that shame-based story. And elephant stories, I coined it because I, I didn't want to say I'm a survivor. I'm not a survivor. I'm thriving. 
because for me to have survived patriarchy, racism, and all those other things that I'm that I'm going through, that I've been through because of my experiences, no, I'm not surviving. I'm thriving, and I'm taking control of my narrative every day. So I want everybody to emotions don't let shame tell you who you are. Emotions are just data. You have the power to write your story, your script every single day. And also, I want you to identify where am I malnourished in my life. Right. Interesting. What is that one place in your life that you're not feeling seen, heard and valued? And as humans, from a brain based perspective, we're wired to connect. We're wired for us to want to to use our gifts and our skills and our purpose. That's why we all have a purpose. When you hear people say you have a purpose, that's what they mean. You have those unique skills and gifts designed specifically for you. And everything that you have been through so far, it was designed to help you to birth that purpose. But some of us, because we don't have an appetite or we weren't taught to have an appetite for discomfort, we avoid those things. But when you avoid, you know, the dark or the painful parts of our lives and ourselves, we also avoid the deepest parts of our purpose as well. So I invite you to think about where am I malnourished? Where am I not being? And we're also wired to feel seen, heard, right? And valued for the work that we do, our contributions towards society and, and to our lives and our families. So where are you malnourished? And think about those three areas. Am I seen the way that I want to be seen? Am I being heard the way I want to be heard? Are you using words and language that 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 is, that, you know, in alignment with your, truest, with your truth and who you are? And the other thing is, like I said, is um, um, how are you talking about yourself? What, what, what are you putting out there? Um, what words and language are you using? Um, and um, be too much. There's something that I talk a lot about in my inner circle. Um, I talk a lot about being too much. Oh my God. I just did a post on that today because something that keeps coming up is, oh, who does she think she is? And I've been telling people, be audacious. Yes. Be audacious. If you're too much, celebrate it. Learn from it. Exactly. And keep that creativity going because that audacity is your genius. Exactly. And also, if there are people around you who say that you're too much for them, then they're not your people. We have to let life do what it was meant. Life is literally designed to support us. But a lot of us are resisting and we are getting in the way of life doing what it's supposed to do. And by doing so, we create more work and worry for ourselves. Oh, 100%. So, so if there are certain people who are offended by your too muchness, then these are people who have served the current lifetime of your connection. So allow seasoned people to be seasoned people. Allow reasoned people to be reasoned people. Because when you try to convert a seasoned or reasoned person to a lifetime person, you are now blocking your blessings and the creativity that's supposed to come because now your emotional data is wrapped up in trying to manage someone who's not even supposed to have a front row sit in your life. Exactly. <laughs> so that is my biggest wish for women to disrupt those norms, those the things that we do that is not aligned with our truth. Please be too much and get rid of it and give yourself space and permission to explore what your new norms and things that you do that bring you joy look like. And in the beginning, it will feel strange because it's almost like you're dating a new person. And it's something that I encourage women to do in our self-worth, self-acceptance classes is to date your future self, right? Um, If you're someone you want to be too much and be bold and, and wear more lipstick and wear bright colors, buy a bunch of colors and try it on. Right. For this week, wear the red. Next week, wear the orange. The other week, wear the blue. Like date your future self. When you do so, 
you're sending a strong message to our young girls. You're telling them it's okay to be yourself, which to me is probably one of the highest valued currency we can pass on to, to, 100%, to, our, to our young 110%. children. 110%. Modeling that behavior, there's nothing better than that because they're seeing you do it. And you're sending out that vibration as well to, again, raising the collective consciousness of the power of us as women. Um, so yes, please be too much because we are the ones who will really create that new narrative for what is acceptable. And let's face it, society, uh, the language, um, a lot of the things that we're partaking in now, they all need an upgrade and we are the ones to do it. For all the listeners out there, Carlin is a wealth of knowledge. I feel that the conversation today was a great flow in terms of what her beliefs are and what my beliefs are and the reason why we really started this podcast. So to kick off our closure of the second season, I do want all of the listeners listening to this episode and any other episodes in the podcast to reflect on how they are honoring themselves by being here and by taking the first steps and being in their moments every day to change their own lives. Thank you for listening to Calm After the Storm. The podcast is dedicated to telling stories about survivorship, healing, and thriving after trauma. If you like this episode, support Calm After the Storm, Survivorship, and other stories by leaving a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Calm After the Storm is created by me, Amy Syed, and produced by Quill Incorporated. You can find Carlin at www.carlinpurcell.com. Dot com.